Guys, it's good to be with y'all here today. Uh, first of all, howdy. My name is Father Will. Uh, I'm Father Will the Younger, and, um, but the, and the much less wise. Um, but uh, it is a good thing to be here today. Thank you for taking this time to be on Awakening. I went on uh, Awakening 89. So I'm class of 13. It was a long time ago. Ten years ago this year, we were just talking right before this. It's pretty crazy. Let's start in prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Then he said, a man had two sons, and the younger son said to his father, Father, give me the share of your estate that should come to me. So the father divided the property between them. After a few days, the younger son collected all his belongings and set off to a distant country where he squandered his inheritance on a life of dissipation. When he had freely spent everything, a severe famine struck that country, and he found himself in dire need. So he hired himself out to one of the local citizens who sent him to his farm to tend the swine. And he longed to eat his fill on, of the pods on which the swine fed, but nobody gave him any. Coming to his senses, he thought, how many of my father's hired workers have more than enough food to eat? But here am I, dying from hunger. I shall get up and go to my father, and I shall say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. Treat me as you would treat one of your hired workers. So he got up and went back to his father. While he was still a long way off, his father caught sight of him, caught sight of his son, and was filled with compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. But his father ordered his servants, quickly bring the finest robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Take the fattened calf and slaughter it. Then let us celebrate with a feast because this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. Then the celebration began. Now the older son had been out in the field, and on his way back, as he neared the house, he heard the sound of music and dancing. He called one of the servants and asked what this might mean. The servant said to him, your brother has returned, and your father has slaughtered the fattened calf, because he has him back safe and sound. He became angry, and when he refused to enter the house, his father came out and pleaded with him. He said to his father in reply, Look, all these years I served you, and not once did I disobey your orders. Yet you never even gave me a young goat to feast on with my friends. But when your son returns, who swallowed up your property with prostitutes. For him you slaughter the fattened calf. He said to him, My son, you are here with me always. Everything I have is yours. But now we must celebrate and rejoice, because your brother was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. Jesus, thank you for this time. Thank you for calling us back to you. Help us to love you more and more each day. We ask these things through you who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
You know, sometimes, friends, when we uh, get hurt and we find ourselves in a difficult situation, uh, we refuse to do the things that will actually help us to get well. I want to tell you a little story about myself uh, in that regard. About three months ago, four months ago, I was uh, at a conference at a hotel, and uh, when you get old, I'm not that old, but when you get old, in the middle of the night, sometimes you have to wake up and go to the bathroom, right? It's a, it's a true statement. I know you guys may not believe this, but it's a real thing. Uh, I didn't believe it when I was 22, but uh, it actually starts to happen. And I got up in the middle of the night, and I was uh, in the bathroom, and I got up too fast, and I fell down. Once again, when you get old, sometimes you fall down. And I, uh, I fell down, and uh, I actually, I don't know exactly how I did this, but I cut my toe pretty badly on a door. I'm, I'm relatively sure. I know, it's like the weirdest thing ever. Uh, but it wasn't bleeding too badly, right? Um, so I like, you know, patched myself up. It was midnight. I wasn't going anywhere. I climbed back into bed, just uh, went to sleep. Next morning, wake up. Um, I'm like, man, my toe hurts. Um, and I kind of, I don't know if you've ever cut the bottom of your foot, but it's really hard to see the bottom of your foot, right? So I'm like, like doing that. And, uh, and I'm, I'm trying to, to assess the damage, so to speak. And I'm like, eh, it's okay. I can walk. I'm good. All good. Uh, so I take a picture of it, and I have a friend who's a doctor. So I text this picture of my toe to the, my doctor friend. And she's like, uh, she's, she's a first-year medical student resident. She's a resident. So she's, a doc, she's an actual doctor. But she, uh, she was like, let me check with the second-year residents. So she, she was like, yeah, I think you should go in. So I'm like, I really don't want to spend the rest of my day in a doctor's office. So I drive back from Austin, where I am, and I come to College Station. And she's like, yeah, you really should go in to the doctor's office. And I, I'm like, OK, fine. I'll go to urgent care. It'll only take um, an hour. And I get into urgent care, and it's the longest line over at Scott and White over there on university, right? And it's like, and I'm walking in, right? So I'm, I literally walk into the building, and I'm like, I hurt my toe. And they're like, you're walking. Uh, clearly, your toe is not hurt that badly, right? So I'm sitting there. I read like an entire book as I was waiting on my Kindle, right? Like furiously swiping on my iPhone. And, uh, and I, I finally get back there and it's a physician's assistant who is helping me and I take off my sock and she goes, whoa. She's like, holy moly, I'm really glad you came in, right? Because she could like see a tendon, right? So anyone who's taken anatomy, that's pretty deep. And uh, it was like in a place that there's not a lot of nerves, so I guess it didn't hurt that bad. But it was bad enough, she literally said these words, yeah, if you hadn't come in, you might have lost your toe, right? Okay, great. I'm glad I'm here. We got stitched up. I walked out. So I walked in on my own power, no crutches, no nothing, nothing, right? I walked out, and she was like, hey, yeah, you can't put any weight on this for the next two days, so here's some crutches. By the way, crutches make your arms hurt worse than your toe hurt. <laughs> Just so y'all know that. And then here's a boot, right? So I had a boot on for two weeks. Celebrating mass with a boot on, like, it's, it's no bueno, right? It's not a liturgical vestment that I want to wear. Um, <laughs> give me an amos any day, um, but, uh, but not a boot, right? 
I tell that story because I didn't even know how badly I was hurt, right? Like, I didn't know the damage that I had done to myself, and I was kind of recalcitrant to going to the doctor, right? And sometimes we notice things are broken in the world, right? We, we recognize that there's this brokenness, that there's this injustice, there's, this, uh, there's these problems, and we sometimes recognize the magnitude of those problems, and sometimes we don't. Um, but we can be mistaken about how much injustice, how much brokenness there is. And it's even more interesting if we start to actually reflect a little bit and when you think about like we're often blind to our own sins, we're often blind to the lack of justice in our own hearts, we, we kind of are frightened to admit the possibility that we're hurt right? We look around and we see disunity. We see a lack of harmony. I mean, you don't have to look very far to see that. Um, Broken hearts, broken families, broken people. And we hear this voice in our hearts, right? It's like the voice in in my reasonable mind that said you should go to the doctor, right? That says, this should not be so. You look around and you see this brokenness. And there's this moment of recognition, this should not be so. And even more frighteningly, perhaps, brothers and sisters, you've had this experience where you're, you're looking around and you see outside of you that there's injustice, that there's problems, that there's, there's things, and then you realize, oh, in my own heart, I recognize that I've been unjust, that I've done something wrong. Right? That, that there's, and there's this, this voice, again, that says, this should not be so. Right? There's something broken. Justice is not being fulfilled. And we've contributed to that. We recognize that there's not only evil and injustice outside of us, but even inside of us, that we've sometimes done evil. Right? It's like the little kid who realizes that they lied or that they stole or that they did something wrong. G.K. Chesterton famously said in response to the question, what's wrong with the world? He said, I am. Right? I am. There's a recognition, this recognition, which is called guilt, is actually a good thing. Right? We know we've sinned and we desire to make it right. We call that voice that speaks to us conscience. And it speaks to us of a need to make things right. To do just to do what's just, to act justly. Yet, what do we do with that guilt? So often, this is what happens. When we experience guilt, we hide. So, so often, right? And I think we do that because deep down we recognize, kind of like hiding from the doctor, right? Because I don't want the stitches. Uh, We recognize that we can't. Try as we might fix all of the wrongs. And we believe the lie that there is no one who could possibly love us if we failed the way that we have. And you can, you can put your own failure in there, right? And we thus experience this thing called shame, the bad type of shame that moves us to hide either physically or emotionally or spiritually. And that hiding can come in many different forms, right? It can, be, it can even be found in kind of the shameless exhibition of vice 
that hides the brokenness we experience in our own hearts behind a veneer of apathy. And friends, that type of bad shame is nothing new. It's a shame that's compounded sin over and over and over again. You hear about it in the Scriptures. In the third chapter of Genesis, the third chapter of the Bible, right? We hear about the story of Adam and Eve's fall from grace. And the very first thing they do after they sin is they go and hide. And then you hear it in the story of Cain and Abel. Cain goes and hides. He goes away from God. After he's murdered his brother, he tries to hide it. And then in Abraham, who's ashamed to defend his wife. And then in the story of Joseph and his brothers, who hide their crime and thus compound it. And in the story of Moses, the murderer, who runs away, right, rather than facing justice. And so also in the story of David, who commits adultery and then commits murder to hide that adultery. It's the shame that kept the young man in the parable that I just read of the prodigal son from turning back sooner to his father. And maybe, friend, you've felt that dread voice of shame. And it's a lie. Right? The shame comes about because we think that no one will love us if they knew what we had done. You see, what's crazy is this is precisely where God comes in. Where He enters in. What makes all those stories that I just referenced in the Bible so amazing is not the fall, but the fact that God does not abandon those who are fallen and who now bear the weight of sin and guilt. Into this pain and suffering, precisely into that shame, God comes. While we are still yet sinners, Christ died for us. God in Christ Jesus is reconciling the world to Himself. And you could place, instead of using the word world right there, you could put your name in that place. God in Christ Jesus is reconciling Will Rooney to Himself. He is a healer. And He comes to each of these people. He breaks into their shame and their isolation. And He reconciles them with Him. God is not content to allow us to remain in hiding. He seeks out Adam and Eve. He finds Cain and protects him. He leads Abraham to faith. He reconciles Joseph with his brothers. He makes Moses the leader of his people. He moves David to repentance. And he is the prodigal father who goes to meet the younger son when he gives the first sign of returning. He is the prodigal father who goes again to meet the older son who is filled with murderous hatred and strives to reconcile his warring children. And friend, he is the prodigal father who seeks you. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that all who believe in Him might have eternal life. Now friends, when I was 14 years old, I went on a retreat over at St. Thomas Aquinas, my home parish. And it was much like this one, right? On that retreat, I recognized two things. I recognized clearly that I was a sinner in need of a Savior. I had sinned and I bore the weight of guilt. And I was living in shame. And I recognized on that retreat the magnitude 
of sin. And the need for a Savior. And then I recognized that there was one. And his name is Jesus. And friends, I encountered him in a powerful way in the sacrament of reconciliation. At that point, I had not gone to confession since my first communion. So it was seven years. And I was afraid and ashamed of my sins. I was trapped. I was mortally afraid to go to confession. I remember shaking right, as I was walking in that line for confession. I was scared. But I kept thinking about Jesus. I kept seeing the love of the Father in Jesus. And in that moment of confession, the Father came to meet me. He came to save me. I received forgiveness and was reconciled to the Father through the action of the Spirit working in that sacrament. I came out of hiding and sin, in sin and shame. The priest, Father Michael O'Connor, pray for him, he's dying of cancer right now, was the image of the merciful Father for me. And he welcomed me with open arms. I've never forgotten that moment, right? And I've gone to confession hundreds of times since then. I'm a sinner, right? And each time, I know that's what's happening, even if I don't feel it, or it's not as evident. And friends, now I have the privilege as a priest to hear confessions. And I can tell you, not much, right? <laughs> but that I have wept at the goodness of God, at drawing one far from him back to himself in the sacrament in that moment of encounter. Friends, guilt is not meant to lead us to shame, but rather to repentance. The voice of conscience is there to turn us to the One who loves us completely. He calls out to us in it. He calls out as He did to our first parents, where are you? Will you come out of hiding? Jesus gives you the great opportunity today in the sacrament of reconciliation to meet Him, to encounter Him, to be forgiven by Him. The Father has come out for you. No matter how far you've gone away, friend, there is no sin that cannot be forgiven. All it takes is to come out of hiding and say, I'm sorry. And He gives you the gift of being able to hear those words. I absolve you from your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Said to you personally. An encounter with Him. The reconciliation you long for is waiting for you. Jesus gives you and I the, recon- the, the gift of His receiving His forgiveness through His body, the church. Just as He spoke to Mary Magdalene and the woman caught in adultery and all the other people that He forgave, so also, in a way that, he, that was understandable to them, so also He speaks these words to you today, if you desire them, in a way you can understand them. He eagerly desires that you would turn to Him Repent and be forgiven of your sins. So if today you hear His voice, 
the voice of conscience, the voice of love crying out to you. Harden not your hearts. Make your own the words of the prodigal. Father, I have sinned against you and against heaven. And he will welcome you with open arms to the secure embrace of his merciful love. Amen.